There's something horrible happening in Fever Swamp. Something really horrible. It started with the strange howling at night. Then there was the rabbit torn to shreds. Everyone thinks Grady's new dog is responsible. After all, he looks just like a wolf. And he seems a little on the wild side. But Grady knows his dog is just a regular old dog. And most dogs don't howl at the moon. Or disappear at midnight. Or change into terrifying creatures when the moon is full. Or do they? The Werewolf of Fever Swamp. On this week's episode of The Goose Down. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of The Goose Down. Uh, my name is Cameron Hawkins, host of the South Congress podcast. Uh, so yeah, The Goose Down, for anybody listening for the first time, is where I review each and every one of R.L. Stein's classic Goosebumps series. Um, we are at book 14 now, so we're actually almost a quarter of the way done. Like It felt like this was going to be a forever task, but yeah, here in the next, uh, gosh, I guess, eight, nine months or so. Will be kind of complete with all of them. And actually, 52 weeks a year. Yeah, give or take eight, nine months. So, yeah, book 14, The Werewolf of Fever Swamp. Um, this is probably the book I'm most mixed on as far as what I really appreciate about it versus what I take issue with. I think that from a description standpoint, um, this might be the strongest book. It's told from. The first person perspective of Grady Tucker, um, Grady comes from a family uh, originally from Vermont that moves to the swamp areas of Florida because his parents are scientists. They're doing some experiments with a group of deer um, and you really get great descriptions of the swamp, like the flora, the fauna, the animals, uh, the smells, the sounds like the fear a 12 year old kid would have of the unknown. Really great description. Um, you get a description of the few people who kind of exist in the area, um, not the least of which is kind of an old man who lives in the woods and never interacts with any of the townspeople. So, yeah, you really do feel like you're in the, in the scene. Um, the hardest thing about it is, you know, the title of the book, The Werewolf of Fever Swamp, um, has a really cool uh, cover. And, you know, covers of stories don't always reflect exactly what's happening, but kind of sets you up for one thing and gives you another. Um, the story comes to a very, very abrupt end. And I think a big part of that is dealing with 
you know, only having 120 pages to work with. Um, and as much good description as there was, the action uh, just wasn't a whole lot of it. And what you get is really similar to last week's episode, Piano Lessons Can Be Murder. Like it's a lot of come down the stairs, hear a sound, can identify it, or what's that out the window, or who's making that howling. Like there's a lot of questions on who does what. And then when you finally get to who's actually the culprit, Pretty much nothing led up to that um, other than some very early description. But it's, you know, a lot of red herrings in the story, I think, is a problem when you're dealing with a book that's short because you come to believe it might be one person than another. But there's not really a lot of evidence or motivation behind either of them that you really see. So, um, yeah, let's just kind of get into it. So, like I said, Grady Tucker. Um, is the the main character that we follow, um, self described as kind of a shorter, chubby kid. Um, you have a sister Emily who is tall and slim, and then their parents are scientists. And Grady takes after his father, um, you know, kind of being a bit heavy, not as tall. Emily takes after her mother, um, being tall, slim, and really blonde. This is the first story where you get a clear divide between your main protagonist and the next closest person to them. So Grady is 12 and Emily's actually 16. And I think it kind of lends herself to being the uh, being the daughter of scientists in that, you know, she's 16, but she's described as like a senior in high school who didn't want to leave her boyfriend moving from Vermont to Florida. And so that's kind of explored. But yeah, um, kind of get into the plot. So their dad in particular is trying to study um, these deer that they found in South America to see if they could thrive in a Florida swamp. And they found these in like the South American rainforest and they're described as looking very different from normal deer being a bit heavier, kind of having red fur. So like again, really good description early on in the story. Um, so he builds a pen right outside of their house um, before they agree to put trackers on the deer and then let them out into the swampland and, you know, just kind of see how they prosper out there. Kids being kids, the first thing they do, they go to explore the swamp and their parents are very open. Like they don't have a lot of reservations. Um, I think it's their scientific minds, like their natural desire for exploration that kind of has them let the kids do what they want. So as they're there, um, the kids come across this old shack and they go up to it to see if anybody can help them. Um, immediately they're scared away by like a hermit that lives there, like the crazy old man in the woods. Um, they run to tell their parents. So they get away from him. And yeah, their dad tells them everybody in town says the guy's harmless. And again, on the way there, you get a great description of like moving through a marsh, um, to the point where, you know, the kids are afraid of things like quicksand, um, Emily is immediately like, I'm itchy, describing the thousands of gnats that they see. So just, yeah, really vivid description, which I think was, a again, a strong point of the story, but also a weak part because you spend so much time describing where they are. What they do doesn't seem to have a lot of stake. So later on that night, uh, Grady's kind of hanging out by his house and he sees a local boy named William Blake and you get kind of a, a firm description of will will is his age but immediately grady's like he's like more muscular and more built than 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 most 12 year olds i see um he seems to be the only kid around that's about his age and will tells him like there's one other girl and she's kind of weird but he doesn't really get into it 
So Will being child of a scientist and just being a curious kid, um, you know, is asking Grady about the swamp. And then he tells him how it got named. Basically, um, it's called Fever Swamp because a bunch of residents went down there and everybody got sick. People went crazy and died. And that's never really refuted um, in the story. So you kind of take it as truth. So, um, you know, they have their meeting. Will leaves. Grady goes in the house and he's trying to sleep and hears howling coming from outside. Um, Doesn't go explore. The next morning he goes and then like he's jumped on by like a huge dog. Um, And it appears to be friendly. So, you know, in classic R.L. Stein fashion, he tends to end his chapters with a large looming monster jumped at me. And then the next sentence in the first chapter, it's like, oh, it was just a dog. Um, Yeah, real friendly, big dog. So they get along great. Um, His parents are a little weary of it, but, you know. 12 year old boy big dog he immediately falls in love and they're inseparable like the dog is all about him now the dog is described as really large and looking like part wolf so grady names him wolf um the family kind of deduces and chooses to believe that wolf was the one who was making all the noises that they heard so the next time that grady goes out to the swamp Uh, He goes with Will and Wolf comes with him. And again, great description of a dog. He does that thing that like my current dog does and my old dog did to where they run up next to you and then they go explore and then they realize you're not as fast. And then they come back and kind of circle around you asking you to hurry up. So I thought that was a really good touch. Um, As they're out there looking around through the swamp, they find a dead bird, a dead heron. And it looks like it's been torn to shreds and they don't really understand what's happening because even though there's wildlife in the swamp, like there's not like alligators or things like that, that you would think capable of doing such damage. Um, They go home after that. And then there's uh, a crash in the house later on. And, you know, Grady's immediately scared, but it turns out that it was Wolf running around and bumping into stuff. Now, it's believed that the sounds that he heard outside is what caused him to react like that. Dad says, hey, big dog. We don't want him to ruin everything in the house, even though we're letting you keep him. So you got to keep him outside. Um, The next morning, you know, Grady goes outside. uh, Wolf comes back to him. But what they find outside the house is that there's a rabbit that's been torn to shreds now. So you have the heron and you have the rabbit so far. Scientific family quickly say it's Wolf. And Grady defends him. He's like, you see how friendly he is with me. Why would he do this to a rabbit? Like, I have a dog now who's super curious about uh, chipmunks because there are, like, chipmunks and squirrels running around. I guess it's just, you know, that season. If he ever caught one, he wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, You know, it's really just about the chase, and I think most dogs kind of like that. Um, he, He defends him, says it couldn't have been him, and later that day, he meets Cassie O'Rourke, who is the girl that Will was talking about. Cassie is one of those kids who believes every conspiracy theory and loves to hop up stories. So she's the one that tells Grady that there's a werewolf of Fever Swamp. And her belief is that the man who lives out there is actually the werewolf. And she kind of goes on, you know, about stories like this, um, you know, again, saying that guy's the werewolf. And even though he's a werewolf, like, let's go out and explore. So now they're going out to the swamp um, as they're out there. He actually approaches them, um, the guy who lives out there. So Wolf growls at him 
and notices that his shirt's covered in blood and he's carrying a dead turkey, which to me is immediately like a guy who's never in town, um, a guy who doesn't interact with the townsfolk. He still has to eat. So I wouldn't he hunt wild turkey. Um, so he ends up seeing them and they start to run from him immediately. And the guy starts chasing them, saying that he's the werewolf. Um, they try to run, but he actually does catch Grady. And then when he catches him, he just tells him, he's like, I was out hunting and like, I wanted to play a joke on you. You thought I was a werewolf. So, hey, I'm a werewolf. Um, and I think that's more person who doesn't interact with other people on a normal basis. Having kind of a weird moment in interaction with these kids. Um, so before they actually separate, he does tell him. And this is the old man in the woods talking to Grady. He says, hey. I'd be careful trusting that dog. And I think it had to do with Wolf uh, more or less like running away as opposed to protecting him. Not necessarily that this dog could actually be a werewolf. So, you know, kind of recurring thing. Once again, we hear a loud sound outside. And this time, so it goes from the heron to that rabbit. They find that one of the deer was killed inside the pen. Um you know, ripped apart just like the other animals. So Dr. Tucker, um, Brady's dad, who's, you know, had enough. He's like, yo, it was Wolf. Had to be Wolf. We got to take him to the pound. And then Grady's like, yo, they're going to kill my dog if you take him to the pound, dad. He's like, yo, he's he's clearly a danger. Probably has to do with his breed. This is safer for everybody. Grady immediately lets the dog go and tells him to run into the woods, which he does. Um, and his dad's, you know, pretty flustered at this point. So that night he sees the dog kind of walking around outside and like the way he's pacing Grady's like, I got to see what's going on. Goes outside, heads out to the swamp where he sees Wolf wandering toward. And then he finds out that Will is out there, too. Will says that he heard some howling and he was investigating. it. So Grady tries to keep pace with Will out there looking, can't keep up with him. Out of nowhere, an actual werewolf jumps out of Grady. Um, as it's attacking him, Grady notices like the human portions of his face and he can tell that it's Will. Um, he's bitten by, uh, Will, but Wolf shows up and attacks him, scaring him off. So Grady falls unconscious, right? Um, when he wakes up, he's actually back home and he finds out that the hermit who lives at the swamp actually found him and brought him back home. He tells his dad what happened and his dad's like, he's like, yo, Will attacked me. So his dad goes to check on Will. Um, the place where Will said that he lived, nobody's there. So the story then jumps forward a month where Grady actually sees a full moon. And then you get the description of him becoming a werewolf. And so he actually gives like the whole story of <laughs> his feelings of being a werewolf. And, and it's just tonally so different. I'll just read that entire passage so you see what I'm saying. That all happened nearly a month ago. Since then, Wolf and I have had a wonderful time exploring the swamp. I've gotten to know just about every inch of Fever Swamp. It's like my second home. Sometimes Wolf and I let Cassie come along exploring with us. She's kind of fun, even though she's always on the lookout for werewolves. I really wish she just dropped the subject. I'm standing at my bedroom window now, 
watching the full moon rising over the distant trees. The first full moon in a month makes me think of Will. Will may be gone, but he changed my life. I know I'll never forget him. I can feel the fur sprouting on my face. My snout is expanding and my fangs are sliding out between my dark lips. Yes, when he bit me, Will passed the curse on to me. I don't mind. I'm not upset. I mean, with Will out of the way, the swamp is now mine. All mine. I'm climbing out of my window now. There's Wolf waiting for me, eager to do some night exploring. I drop easily to the ground on all fours. I raise my fur-covered face to the moon and utter a long, joyful howl. Let's go, Wolf. Let's hurry to Fever Swamp. I'm ready to hunt. So, so yeah, you get, again, I think a really good description there, but it just all happened so sudden that I think when this was written, it was written like a TV episode or like a movie to have this suspense and to wonder who done it. And then to all of a sudden at the end, just kind of pop out with this really cool, uh, you know, vivid graphic of somebody turning into a werewolf. So, of course, there are real stakes. Of course, this probably means bad things for animals and people. But I just think that you spend so much time focused on what the environment is that the motivations of people kind of get lost. Like there was no reason to think that that Will had anything to gain from doing this or it was his desire to do this or he had had other victims who were people or yeah, it just all kind of happened so fast um, without any real rhyme or reason like. Why would Will pick on, you know, a new kid if people have been living here? Um, why would he all of a sudden disappear? It's just a lot that, that goes left unsaid. And I think when you spend that much time building up the location, um, you know, building up the scene, really setting the scene for a story, um, you know, when you try to make all the action really happen like in the third act without having a whole lot of stakes beforehand, it just doesn't do too much. Um, again, I think it's a cool visual, like for a television episode, but as a book, it does leave something to be left desired. Um, you know, I, I did, again, really appreciate how vivid the description was of where you were. You felt like you were at Fever Swamp, but I don't know, everything else just didn't seem to have a lot of stake to it. Um, so, yeah, this was The Werewolf of Fever Swamp, which is book 14 in the Goosebump series. It goes to 62. So, you know, an episode and a half after this, we're going to be a quarter of the way through. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening so far. Thank you guys for telling your friends about this. This has been really fun. It's almost unfortunate to have a show that you know is going to come to an end. Maybe there are other books that I read as a, as a kid that we can catch up on later. But, um, yeah, and also want to thank... Um, we did have a few people go to the uh, South Congress East Coast Cast store um, to buy uh, a few different items this week. want to thank you guys for that. Again, keep listening on whatever platform you do. Uh, please give us a review. Five-star reviews are always appreciated. Uh, but yeah, this has been uh, The Goose Down, where I review each and every one of the stories in R.L. Stein's classic Goosebumps series. My name is Cameron Hawkins, and thank you for listening. Want to support the show? Want a specific topic, comment, show, or movie discussed? Supporting the South Congress podcast on Patreon allows you to dictate the conversation. 
Visit patreon.com slash Seahawk for details on how you can support and guide the show.